no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. Oh! One more time. Oh! One more time. Welcome to the Barry Central's. On today's show, I break down the Bears' week six loss against the Washington Commanders and much, much more. And yeah, audience, you guys heard that correctly. I'm running solo tonight. My brother A-Dub will be back later in the week. He's dealing with a death in the family. So keep him in your thoughts and prayers, uh, audience. He's uh, dealing with a little bit of a tough time, but I got his back as always. But audience, let's get into this debacle of this matchup against the Washington Commanders. And it took me a couple of days just to even be able to wrap my head around what we saw, audience. I had to rewatch the game because I'm just like, you know what? How did this thing unravel the way it did? It just, I don't know, man, just a demoralizing defeat. I mean, this comes off our, this comes after last week when I was on this damn podcast talking to you guys about, oh man, this, this loss against the Vikings while it's a loss, Things are kind of treading in the right direction. Boy, was I wrong. If I get on this show and say anything like this in the future, you guys please call me out because I was way off base. I was way, way off base. I mean, this is the third straight game, audience, that we fumbled away our chance at victory. And the second time in three weeks, the Bellas Jones is defending. Now, I know a lot of y'all on Twitter, y'all been going after Bellas saying it was a wasted draft pick. That might be a little too harsh. I think the kid's got some talent. I think that we anointed him a little bit too soon. You know, I gave him that nickname, Debo Light. I need to relax on that. You know, he's going to need a little bit of time, obviously. You know, but at the same time, come on, man. Fellas, you're too old to be fumbling the football. you a 25-year-old rookie out here, bro. Come on, fellas. Damn, son. Because at the time when he made that damn – at the time when he fumbled the damn ball, it was a 7-6 game on this. You guys remember. He busts that punt. Now, all of a sudden, Washington has the fucking football inside the 10-yard line, and then they score two plays later. I mean, that's the game right there, 12-7. You know what I mean? So, I don't know, man. I also don't want to just put it all on Village Jones on this because it should even come down to shit like that. The Bears had several opportunities to put this game out of reach. If you guys want to be exact, it was three, if I can recall. Now, Think about how many times the Bears had the ball inside of Washington's five-yard line. They came away with zero points, audience. Zero. That can't happen. This team continues to shoot themselves in the foot. This team has found every way possible to lose this season. This is getting old. It's really fucking getting old. I mean, that game on Thursday night was as ugly as it can get. From Justin Fields just getting just crushed back there. That offensive line ought to be ashamed of themselves. On that rewatch, I'm looking at the offensive line. I'm looking at Luke Getze. I'm like, man, nobody is doing this kid any favors. Now, I will say this. Yeah, Justin has to play better. However, you also can't put it all on Justin. The receivers play a part in that. The offensive line, as I mentioned before, there's a lot of different things to play. I mean, you can even throw Ryan Poles in there. Because what he put around this kid this season is kind of criminal. 
Now, I know Ryan Poles drafted very well. We got some young studs that he put on this team. But, man, look at this offensive line. How do you fairly evaluate a Justin Fields with what he has to deal with right now? How do you evaluate that? It, to me, it's not a fair evaluation. We know what the situation was last year, and I thought that he was set up for failure then. And we thought, hey, you know what? With Luke Getzey coming in here, that things will be different. But right now, I'm still sitting over here, and I have my concerns. Not with Justin, but I have my concerns with the people that are around him that are supposed to be helping this kid take his game to the next level. Now, I know Ryan Fitzpatrick was on the broadcast, and he's talking all his shit, acting like he's Tom Brady. Ryan Fitzpatrick, now I know you played in the league and you put up some points and you, you had some nice little stats there. But come on, man, relax. You know, it's one thing to be objective and, and to give, you know, your feedback on somebody, but he's been a little extra in my opinion. He's going to sit up here and try to tell us that Justin Fields is in a pocket passer. Okay, so Ryan Fitzpatrick, you can't tell me whether Justin Fields could be an accurate pocket passer or not because the guy does not have a credible offensive line. He doesn't have credible weapons to throw it to. See, that way, that's what kills me with these people. They watch one game of, of, of a, they watch one game of Justin Fields. They watch one Bears game, and all of a sudden they want to sit up here and tell us what our quarterback is and what he isn't. None of us know what this kid is because, again, until they put the right weapons around him, nobody knows what's going to happen here. Now, we know that this kid is scratching the surface. We know the kid's got talent. I mean, you've looked at him in that ball game. He took a beating. He came back. He was fine. My man was doing push-ups out there in the field when he was hurt. You knew he was hurting, but he was sending a message to the other team. He was sending a message to his own team. And that's what I'm saying. You need more people to match that type of mindset, that mentality. Justin Fields kind of a little bit of a, he crazy, but I love that shit. You know what I'm saying? Because he's built for it. And we need more people to follow that type of lead out here on this field. Now, going into this game, Aids up on both was like, hey, the Bears don't win this ball game. Because we're looking at this Washington Commanders team on paper and like, hey, this is a very bad football team. And even after watching the, the tape, they're still a very bad football team. But you know who also is a fucking bad football team? The Chicago Bears. And I'm sorry, audience, but after seeing what took place on Thursday night, I mean, a lot of us were already saying, like, you know what, this season's not going to come down to wins and losses. Yeah, that's, that sounds great. But, I mean, we still want to see our team play well, right? We don't want to see our team just throwing games away, shooting themselves in the foot. And that's what we saw. This was just an example of a team that shot themselves, that shot itself in the foot. And some of the things that we were giving Matt Eberflus credit for were kind of eradicated from the past regime. We're starting to see some of those things popping back up. Just ugly games start to finish. I'm sorry. When you can't protect your quarterback, you're going to be in for a long ball game. Those multiple hard hits he took in that game, you do not want your fucking potential franchise quarterback taking hits like that. Those hits pile up. Over the course of the season, they add up. Justin Fields is getting sacked a lot. He's getting hit a lot. And like I said, if that had been probably most quarterbacks out there, they probably left that game with some sort of injury. He finished that game well. Now, I talk about how we performed in the red zone. We got to clean that up. There's no way we can continue to perform that inadequately in that red zone. You got to get points down there. When you're inside the five-yard line three separate times and you get zero points, that's becoming a trend for this team. And it's a major cause for concern. I know earlier in the season, 
we kind of touched on that idea with you guys. On you know, we kind of touched on that idea with the audience. But at the time, I was like, you know what? It was one game. So I kind of just like, all right, you know what? Just something I wanted to put on the radar. But now when I saw that after the Commanders game, going against that Commanders defense that was kind of suspect outside of that front four, because I did tell you guys in the preview show, that front four could give us some problems if our guys didn't block our front. And that's exactly what the fuck happened. Now, I'm also going to keep it a buck when it comes to Justin. He's still holding on to the ball too long. His play was up and down. The one of the things that give us so much joy is seeing those flashes of brilliance coming out of this kid. That 40-yard touchdown pass to Dante Pettis, that was beautiful, man. I mean, that was a dime ball thrown in the only spot. It was thrown in the spot only where his receiver could get to it. The 39-yard scramble that put the team in position to win the game. Listen, when he had that scramble, I'm like, hey, we're going to win this damn ball game. Now, I know there's a lot of people out here in Bears Nation just like, hey, I'm tired of seeing my quarterback running all over the place. But what do you want the kid to do? He's getting flushed out of the pocket. So he's going to take what he can get out there. And my whole thing is, I've been telling you guys, I want him to be decisive either way it goes. Whether that's, hey, get the ball out quick or be decisive. You're going to run, take off. So we can't have it both ways. We really can't. The problem is in this game is we just couldn't take advantage of the opportunities. I mean, that four for one play to Darnell Mooney, and he bobbled that thing at the end. Now, if he would have caught that thing cleanly, that's a touchdown. But when he bobbles it and catches it, he basically kind of was down like – it looked like it was like down at like the, I don't know, the six-inch mark or something like that. I don't know. But whatever it was, it just – that ain't going to get it done. And I know my brother A-Dub, he's been dying for that bank to be open. But, man, listen, man, I don't know what's going on with them bank hours. I keep trying to tell y'all on this show. I love Mooney. He's still learning how to be a wide receiver, one in his league. But this is the problem, man. Justin Fields does not have people that he can rely on. Because when you have a true wide receiver one, they're making that catch. That's a touchdown. You're winning the game. And we didn't make the play there. You know what I mean? That's the problem. I already talked about Villas Jones. You can't have that type of shit. You can't have that. When you look at that commander's team, they couldn't even move the football, and they still beat us. Carson Wentz didn't do shit in this ball game. Well, okay, I'll take that back because he lit a rope on ass. But outside of that, what they paid this man to do, throwing the football and scoring touchdowns and moving the football, he didn't do shit. And I told y'all what Carson Wentz was about. And I know everybody was trying to clown Roquan and this and that. Listen, man, that shit happens, right? That's one play. Because I tell you one thing, man, Carson Wentz is built different. That's a 6'5", 240-pound quarterback. He ain't like some of these other quarterbacks that don't want to smoke. He wants to smoke. He's done that to some people before. Roquan, you just keep your head on the super, baby. Come on now. <laughs> you can't be letting that happen. That's going to be on his motherfucking NFL tombstone for the rest of his career getting lit up like that. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to get up off you, Roquan. I'm going to get up off you. Fellas Jones, brother, I know they take you off that punt return team. We haven't seen much from you on offense. I know he scored a touchdown against the Vikings. Man, we need to get more return on our investment from Fellas Jones. Come on, fellas. Come on, man. At least he owned up and said it wasn't a smart play on his part. It wasn't. It was stupid as hell. You let that ball go, fellas. What are you doing? Talking about you trying to make a play. You ain't trying to make no damn play. You lost us the damn game, kid. Well, part of the reason why we lost the damn game. But at least he owned up to his mistakes. I give him credit for that. That takes a lot. But that was just a tough situation right there. Tough situation. We got to figure out the special teams. You know, in the past, this Bears team, we have been spoiled. We have had so many great punt returners, so many great kick returners in our history. 
talk about a Devin Hester, a Tariq Cohen, a Corderell Patterson. You know what I'm saying? We've had so many of those guys, you know what I mean, come through here. For some of our OG Bears fans, Glenn Milburn, Johnny Knox. You know what I'm saying? I can go on and on. We've had some guys that really have been able to, to really make things happen for us. Jerry Azuma. But when you look at this team right now, I'm like, ooh, we need some help. We ain't getting really nothing in the return game. Nothing at all. It's, it's been tough to watch. It's really been tough. Because your number one job when you're a returner is to protect the football. First and foremost, don't give away the ball in that situation, man. They got so much to clean up. So much to clean up. Now, so many people, too, they were, like, asking me, like, Prez, what were your thoughts on that that uh, play that Fields made to Ryan Griffin? At first glance, I was like, damn, he missed the wide open tight end for a touchdown. You know what I mean? A lot of people were saying that Griffin also played a, a, a part in that. But for me personally, and I'm just going to tell you the way I saw it, there's no need to get cute there. That's a wide open receiver. That should have been a touchdown, point blank. To give us, I know, again, audience, this guy's taken so many hits all season, especially in this ball game here. I mean, shit, there was times I was holding my breath when I saw him take another hit. I'm looking at him on the ground. I'm like, damn, I am tired of seeing my quarterback taking these hits. I've been saying that to you guys all season. I'm sick and tired of seeing this. This is the NFL's worst offensive line. Ryan Poles is a former offensive line. I need to see some changes. Now, I know Alex Leatherwood. I know that they've elevated him. We need to get him in the mix. You know, we need to see what he's got. And I know he was going to be a reclamation project here. But, man, I'm just so sick and tired of Sam Buster for being our center. Let's get Lucas Patrick back to center. Let's get Leatherwood there, Darn. Let's see what we got here. I'm just sick and tired of seeing our quarterback get a hit. I want an offensive line that's going to take pride in protecting the quarterback. I mean, damn. You know, so many people want to see here and they want to say Justin Fields took a step back in this game. I don't think so. I think the guy's toughness showed me a lot. I mean, his ability, honestly, it jumped off the charts in that ball game. And again, he gave this team a chance to win. So for me personally, I just don't agree with a lot of the naysayers out there that are sitting here trying to say the guy took a step back. I don't really say it. I don't see it that way. I really don't. There are some things that he needs to clean up. And trust me, the offense needs to get those things together for sure. Again, when I talk about being down there in the red zone three different times, you got to score there. That's an opportunity right there that you should have 21 points. We didn't get those. They got to clean that shit up. Got to clean it up. You don't want to be coming short. You don't want to be coming up short in the red zone like that. That's just not how you want these to be. You do not want those things to be that way. Like I said, though, despite the continued shortcomings of the offense, I'm telling you, we still are seeing something special when it comes to Justin. But my fear is, is with this inadequate offensive line, these, these, these weapons that he has in the office or their lack of, I think my major concern is that we're going to be wasting that talent over Justin Fields. We're going to miss out on seeing all this kid has in that bag. He's got a lot of talent, man, a lot of talent. And I know a lot of us Bears fans are sitting over here saying, hey, it can't possibly get any worse, right, after this game, after that game. We keep continuing to say the same shit. It's like a broken record. I'm so sick and tired of it. We got embarrassed against the Packers. We lost to a beatable Giants team. Right, we, we had a little bit of progress against the Vikings, and then we come back against the Commanders at home and lose. I don't know, man. <laughs> I just I, I ride with Justin Fields and the fact that listen, he gets it. All that matters to him is winning. He even said in the press that he was tired of hearing about how close they are. Yeah, Justin, salute to you because we are tired of that shit too. A lot of fans, we know this is going to be a rebuild season, this and that. 
But man, we are tired of just almost being there. We got spoiled in 2018 when we had a little bit of glimpse. We, we thought we had like a little championship window there. We had a championship defense that got stalled by an idiot kicker. I'm going to get into all that kind of stuff. We deserve better than this shit, man, here in Chicago. It's about time that our city has some teams here that we can be proud of. You know, the Bulls, and we're starting to see a little something with them. Chicago Sky have been, you know, showing us some little things. They won the championship last season. But our Chicago Bears, our beloved, it's time for them to get back to being the monsters of the midway. Because they ain't been that in a long time. And after a 2 and one start to the season, audience, we've gone on to lose three straight games. Now we're 2-4. and four. And I would just say this, to be fair, everybody on the outside, they were kind of expecting that from, from this team. I was just expecting that last week's trend, I was just expecting the success that they had against the Vikings was going to translate over to this matchup against the Commanders, and that sure didn't happen. Like I said, the offense struggled from the start. I was over here writing an article, and I'm just like, over here, I'm, like, I'm just not going to write this. I'm not writing this thing tonight because after that game, I was so frustrated. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to come across like a meathead. I have to take a couple uh, a couple hours and, and digest this thing. And that's what I had to do. That's also why I wanted to wait to come on the show to talk to you guys because I wanted to give you guys some tangible thoughts. I didn't want to just be over here ranting and raving because at the end of the day, I mean, while you know that could be funny at times, but I want to give you guys some actual content, something that you can actually listen to from this show and actually take something away from. But Okay, I talked about the beating that this kid took. I don't want people to sit up here and just say, oh, Perez is a Justin Fields apologist. He doesn't hold Justin Fields accountable. Yes, he does, because I sat up here and told you guys that the guy held on to the football to him, and I told you that he's got to do better with some of his decision-making. However, the guy was sacked five times. Five times. And listen, if Justin Fields didn't have elite athleticism, he would have got sacked way more than that. Shit, imagine if that if, if that had been most of these other quarterbacks in the league that are these pocket quarterbacks that everybody wants to sit up here and throw out there. But they would have been sacked 10 times behind this awful-ass offensive line. So because of this guy's athleticism, he was able to get out of a lot of that pressure. So don't sit up here and talk to me about how I'm sitting up here being a Justin Fields apologist. I'm just telling you guys what I see. And what I see is a guy that is not given a chance to show what he can do best. He has that shoulder injury, and it looks like he re-aggravated that ball game. That ain't what we trying to see right now. He's on the sideline using a resistance band there in that third quarter, and I'm sitting here just like, great. I don't want to see that. We want this guy to be intact for the entire season. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, once again, just shut up talking about my quarterback. I'm so sick of all these people got so much to say. He's going to sit up and talk about some justice, not Peyton Manning. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's a Cam Newton type. You don't even know what he you don't know what he is, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know what you are. You a guy that never won anything. You're a guy that bounced around the league. How many teams you play over Ryan Fitzpatrick while you're running your damn mouth? And I know I got him earlier in the show, but that shit pisses me off. I'm so sick of these people that sit up here and they say all this stuff because they do that shit for clout. Some of these cats, so many of these cats in the media need to practice a little bit more decorum when they're giving their analysis to people. Stop trying to say stuff because you think it's going to make you look cool and everybody going to fucking take that sound bite and go with it. Everybody want to go viral. Have some damn journalistic stand. Have some damn journalistic standard of integrity when you sit over here talking about people. Because I disagree with what Fitzpatrick shared wholeheartedly. Because, yeah, while Justin is an elite runner, right? So you want to sit up here and try to paint him in that Cam Newton box. 
But that's not necessarily mean that the guy can't fucking sling the ball because Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you watch the kid in, in Ohio State, you would see that he did do work in the pocket. And that guy did a fucking fantastic job when launching that ball all over the field in that system. The thing is, the weapons that he had at Ohio State are better than what he's dealing with here in the pros. And that is sad. He's an NFL. He had better receivers in college than he does right now. That's what he's dealing with. I'm sure he's probably looking at that situation now like, fuck, man, what, what, what they give me to work with over here? This guy's literally making chicken salad out of chicken shit. When Justin Fields has a clean pocket, the guy gets things done. When that pocket gets all muddled and he getting a little discombobulated, then that's what they start to break down. But that's anybody. Anybody's going to have those problems. Most quarterbacks want to be able to throw from a clean pocket. But the problem is, as I keep trying to tell you guys, Luke Getty is not doing this guy any favors. You got to move that pocket. We know that Justin's comfortable on the move. Get him on the move. The Giants are fucking 5-1 right now with Daniel Jones as their quarterback. And you know why that is? Outside of Saquon and Barkley being back and having a phenomenal season, it's because they're using Daniel Jones in ways that are successful for him. Getting him out of the pocket, bootlegs. You got to use these guys for what they do best. Don't try to force somebody to be something that they're not, especially when you don't have the correct system, when you don't have the right weapons, when you don't have an offensive line that can protect the guy. That's just what it comes down to. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, all your little commentary about Justin Fields after 16 starts in the league, just relax, man. You need a bigger sample size before you try to, before you try to start telling somebody what they are and what they aren't. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, just shut your mouth. Shut your damn mouth. All right, audience. So in this matchup, I've talked about some of the key things that I thought that led to our demise. Another fumble there, Bellis Jones. Obviously, I'm not going to retrace that. Now, when it comes to the running game, we overall have 238 rushing yards in the game. I mean, a lot of that had to do with the fact that your quarterback had 88 yards. I mean, that was pretty phenomenal. You know what I mean? Khalil Herbert ran off that 64-yard run. I was sitting over here, like, fucking losing my mind, running through the house with Khalil Herbert on that one. That was fun. David Montgomery continued to be David Montgomery. So my thing is we had some success there in the run game. But as I mentioned to you guys on our preview pod, I want us to stop being one-dimensional. While we know that we can run the football, we got we to gotta open up that passing attack a little bit. We got to start doing a little bit more there. Other key, I thought. Justin Fields and his development, I think that he's continuing to improve. I really like what I'm seeing here. You know what I mean? Again, he struggled early in this game. I'm going to keep it 100. But listen, he fared well there in the second half of that game. Again, that pass to Pettis. Some of the plays that he made with his legs. So we got to just continue to just – we got to continue to just objectively look at what this kid can do and stop focusing on what we think that he can't do. That, that's just the bottom line for me. Now, the Bears' defense, while I've been getting on their ass all season about getting run on, they're the reason why we've been in some of these games. Think about it. Matty Refuse's defense has done just enough to give Justin Fields and that offense a chance. And we, that offense, for whatever reason, you know, due to turnovers or whatever the case may be, lack of execution, have not been able to get it done. But I'll tell you one thing, in that game, not only did the Bears' defense perform well, but I thought the Commanders' defense was pretty well. Neither team went above 20 points. I mean, that was a snooze fest. And I joked about it in our preview pod how Thursday night football across the board has not been very entertaining this season. 
And I tell you one thing, that Bears Commanders game didn't do anything to change their perceptions. Because I'm sure there was a lot of people out there turning that fucking game off. I bet it was husbands out there that were like, oh, you know what? Let me go ahead and do that, that project around the house that you've been asking me to do for weeks. Because I'd rather do that than watch the rest of this fucking game. That's what you really had people out here doing. You had people out here running errands and shit, going to fucking Home Depot to pick shit up rather than watch the second half of that damn game. You know, so it's just tough. It's just tough, you know. And I don't want to get on this show and make excuses because, like, again, I don't talk about moral victories and all that shit because it's about wins and losses. It's just it's just tough when you continue to have games like this from the team. Like, I love this team. And the people that listen to this show, you love this team too. And we're just at the position now where we just want to win. D. Rose voice. I just want to win. You know, and I'm just so sick and tired of us talking about these tough losses. It's just, it's demoralizing. Not only to the team, I'm sure it's, to, it's hard for them, but to the fan base. We have a right to feel whatever kind of way about these losses, and I'm not going to let anybody make us feel bad because we're hurt by these losses. This shit hurts. When the team wins, Victory Monday is the best shit ever. The fact that you got to go back to work on that Monday feels a lot better after a Bears win. But I'll tell you one thing, after a Bears loss, man, my mood is darkened. I, I, I just don't like when we give away games. We're not that good to give away games. You got to win the winnable ones. And we're not doing that right now. It's just tough to see. Tough to see. There's so much stuff to unpack in this. My main takeaway from this ball game, though, but this was one of the worst losses the Bears have had in years. We've had a lot of tough losses. You guys know. <laughs> Forget all the blowouts. Forget the rivalry games with the Packers. This loss to the Commanders, to me, was one of the worst games in recent memory because it was one of the most winnable, as I said a second ago. And all we got was one touchdown going against that Washington Commanders defense. One touchdown. Three chips to the red zone, zero points. One touchdown. Oh, my goodness. My goodness, my goodness. And like I said, the blowout losses, of course, those hurt. Of course, those losses to the Packers hurt. And I know some people may say, well, how does this commander's game hurt more to you than some of those? Well, I would say, honestly, some of those Packers games, most of the fans of the fan base go into those games already thinking that we're going to lose. When you go into a matchup with a team that we're perceived to be better at, we go into the game as the favorites at home, and we lose in embarrassing fashion, and we couldn't even get out of our own way, I'm just saying, for me, <laughs> that's where it just kind of like sinks in. They're like, dude, that, this was terrible, 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 terrible. It was terrible. In the words of Charles Martin, terrible. Justin Fields doesn't have enough help. I've already talked to you guys about that. But you look at this kid's numbers, and you look at the production of what it could be if he had competent weapons. Now, I will say this. We haven't seen Byron Pringle in the office as much because he's been injured. Nikhil Harry. We haven't seen him out there as much. Maybe when you add those two in the mix with a Darnell Mooney, with a Dante Pettis, who, which, listen, I'll tell you, a week ago, I was trying to get this guy off the team. And then he goes and has his best game of the season. Maybe I need to start going in on some more of these players and shit. Maybe they get their heads out of their asses. But Dante Pettis, he had his best game of the season. But my point is, maybe with the addition of Byron Pringle, whenever he gets healthy, when Nikhil Harry is able to get out there, maybe we do have something, you know, their offensive. Right now, though, it's just tough to see. We just don't have a lot. We don't have a lot. Equinemia St. Brown, they're mostly using him in jet sweeps. So I don't know what's going on there. But I just need to see more from these receivers. I need to see a lot more. You know what I mean? Bella Jones, 
I talked about him earlier with the fumble. I've also talked about the fact that a lot of people were sitting here saying this guy might be a wasted draft pick. Still too early for that. I would like to see, though, this kid get involved more on offense. I think there's ways to utilize this kid with that speed to get him the ball in his hands. Part return, I just don't want to see him back there for a while. You know what I'm saying? Like that, we, we, we don't need that. But let's get a bit more involved in offense. Let's see if we can get out of him there. You know what I'm saying? We know it's going to take him time to develop as a receiver. We know that. When he was in college, he ran a very basic route trees there. So my thing is, what he did really great in college was returning punts. But now when you look at him in the NFL, we're not seeing that right now. So that's going to be an opportunity for him to get better. Lastly, I talked about the offensive line, ladies and gentlemen, but Tevin Jenkins, to me, is the only dependable offensive lineman that we have, especially that game against the Commanders. That's what he showed me. During the summer, this kid wasn't even guaranteed to be on the roster. We had all kinds of people in the media and podcasters all said, oh, Tevin Jenkins ain't even going to be on the opening day roster. You know, I was clowning a couple of them because not only was the guy on the opening day roster, but he started. But I'll tell you one thing. He went from that to them saying the leaking stuff, that he was immature and that he was being entitled. To now, the kid has moved into a right guard position. And not only has he moved into the position, but he's been damn fucking consistent in that position. He's been very competent in that position. He's been bullying defenders. Listen, guys, when you watch the film, watch 76, how he's bullying people out there. He's taking lunch money. I'm not going to sit up here and act like he's perfect because he's not, but he's making way more positive plays than some of his other teammates to the, to, to the left and the right of him. I'll tell you that much, especially to the damn left of him. Go ahead and get me started there. Because that's another game where that guy was getting blown off the damn ball. But I'll tell you one thing, it's interesting, though, that Tevin Jenkins went from being on the trade block to having riffs with the coaching staff to being a guy now that I think is almost irreplaceable in that offensive line. So it's, it's just interesting how things turn out. And that's kind of like life sometimes, right? It's like sometimes people got to go through a little bit of adversity. And it's sometimes, you know, maybe it's like, oh, this guy, you know, we, we view him as a fit here. And then something happens, and, you know, and life scrambles you and it moves you into a new place or a new direction. And all of a sudden you're like, well, if this is what I need to be successful, I got to figure it out. And that's what he did. They put him there at that right guard. That was the position that was available. And he made the most of it. That's life. You got to make the most of your opportunities. And this kid did. And you can't say, I honestly can't say enough about his performance in that ball game. And it's not just about that game. It's just about what I see from him this season. Really, really important stuff there. One thing that I had tweeted out about during the game was the fact that Robert Quinn continues to be on the milk cart. I mean, that dude got manhandled by Charles Little Jr. You know, guys, I had a preview pod. I was talking about little shit. I called that man a turnstile. That's what I called him when he was here. But I'll tell you one thing, man. Charles Little Jr., he fucking handled business on fucking Robert Quinn. I'm not going to sit over here and, and, and have revisionist history with you guys because I, I issued Robert Quinn an apology last season after he had broke the team record with those 18 and a half sacks. But right now, Robert Quinn, where you at, bro? Like Robert Quinn is out there, man. He's just kind of going through the motions. Like, what you doing, bro? Come on, man. Like, you out here getting worked by Charles Leno. You need to reevaluate yourself. We talking about Charles Leno, a turnstile. We talking about a CTA turnstile. Come on, man. Shit's crazy. I mean, dude, he's got one sack all season. Carson Wentz is the most sacked quarterback in the league. 
and 94 couldn't get back there. Carson Wentz holds on to the football. Carson Wentz ain't mobile. He ain't just the fields. We couldn't get there at all. What's that about? Get your shit together, man. He's supposed to be one of the examples of leaders on this team. He's supposed to be showing Gibson, Dominic Robinson, how it's done. Muhammad, where are you at? Like, come on, man. Where's the pass rush? Because right now, I'm sitting over here looking at the defense, and as a whole, the defense is doing well. Well, man, we got to start getting after the quarterback better. What are we doing? Well, that's just the way I see things right now. Offensively, that offensive line just has to do better. Has to do better. Because until they do better, we won't see the best out of Justin Fields. That's just it. I mean, Braxton Jones, he had a rough night. He struggled against Montez Sweat. I mean, we're talking about fucking Montez Sweat. And I know Braxton Jones is a fifth-round draft pick. And honestly, when I told you guys during the draft recap episode that Braxton Jones had the chance to be a starter, it was based on the roster that we had. But Braxton Jones, hey, he's getting the baptism by fire. He'll be better for it. But however, long term, who knows if he's going to be the starting left tackle on this team. Just me, it just, for me, it's just a huge concern when it's week six and now, now my quarterback's dealing with a shoulder injury. Just can't, can't have that. Defensively, I was very happy, like I said a moment ago. I thought the Bears defense had his best game of the season. The pass rush still something that we need to tweak a little bit. But I thought that Bears defense from start to finish audience was really, really good. I mean, they held Carson Wentz under 100 passing yards. That's pretty phenomenal. You know what I mean? If it weren't for that Bellis Jones fumble, they probably would have held him under 10 points, too. And again, this is a very young group. And I talk about it all the time with this show. Jaquan Brisker continues to impress me. The guy continues to make plays. He continues to play like he's not a rookie. You know what I mean? And Gordon, he had another solid game. So now you can tell he's starting to stack good performances. So my whole thing is when I look at those type of things, that gives me reasons to be very happy. Luke Getze, we got to see better out of him. He's got to do better. Luke Getze has to do better on this. I think he took a major step backwards in that Thursday loss. He continued to put Justin Fields in harm's way. That's the problem to me. See, we dealt with this shit in the past when you have these people that are calling the plays where they're trying to fit players to fit a scheme rather than the other way around. My only thing is this. When you know your offensive line is trash, especially when it comes to pass protection, when you know that you got major, when you know that you have major holes in wide receiver, why aren't you rolling this quarterback out? Why aren't you getting him on the move? Why aren't you doing more there? That's sh it's shown you, history has shown you with this quarterback, this short sample size, that he's effective when you get him out on the move. Why do you want to continue to keep having this kid playing in a collapsing pocket? It's just a recipe for disaster. That's what we're seeing here. The red zone offense, that's another thing. For the second time in three games, we're struggling there, man. We are really struggling there. You know what I mean? Can't call it. Three possessions there. Pick, turnover on downs, and another turnover on downs in the football game. Just tough to see. Tough to see. On. Let me give out some game balls before I get up out of here. On offense. I'm giving my game ball to Dante Pettis. Now, I know I was giving Justin Fields a whole lot of love on this episode, but I got to give my game ball to Dante because a week ago, Dante, I wanted you off this team. I mean, he, that week five performance for him was awful. Those drops were awful. But it's all about the way somebody rebounds from adversity, and I give him props for how he rebounded from that awful performance. 
Four catches, 84 yards. That 40-yard touchdown reception was beautiful. Very nice. I mean, shit, there was a pass to the finish call that was what Dante Pettis should have gotten uh, in, in the end zone. They didn't call. Dante Pettis, I think he, he he made the most of his opportunities out there. You know? And that could have been a game with a touchdown. You know, if, if he didn't get if he didn't get literally tackled like he did. But anyway, offensive game ball for me, week six, Dante Pettis. My brother A He was kind enough audience to, to send us over his his game ball recipient. He gave his to Tevin Jenkins. I agree with that as well, because considering that Tevin Jenkins was the only competent offensive lineman that he continued to bully people out there and get things happening. So those are our offensive game ball recipients for week six. On the defensive side of the ball, I'm giving my game ball to Jaquan Brisker, audience. As I mentioned to you guys, Jaquan Brisker just continues to be a threat to opposing teams. The tackles are there. He had a sack. I mean, look, the future is bright for us in that secondary. Like I keep telling you guys, he's going to be just fine. In that combination with Jalen Johnson, with Kyler Gordon, as he continues to take his, his lumps but get better, hey, I love what we see there. My brother A-Dub, his game ball recipient on defense was Kyler Gordon. And I agree with that because you got to think about Kyler Gordon now. Strung together, back-to-back solid performances, six tackles. What do I tell you guys all this? All this kid does is make good tackles out there, and he had a pass breakup. He's continuing to show that he has the potential to grow into a playmaker down the road. And I really love what we're seeing from this kid. I really, really fucking do. And I'll tell you one thing. I didn't even talk about him. But Roquan Smith, outside of that play that everybody clubbed him about, I thought he had a really fucking strong game. Really strong game. 12 tackles, one for a loss. Key sack of Woods there on the third down. I thought he had a really phenomenal game. So I think he's like an honorable mention there as a game bar recipient. But I had to give it to the Rook Chaquan. But I just wanted to make sure that, you know what I mean? I gave Roquan his flowers because he deserved it. All right. My underperformer here for week six. I know. I've kind of gone after this kid a lot of this episode. I can't help it. Fellas Jones, I need to step to the front of the congregation, sir. The, for the second time in three games, this kid's fucking fumbling away our chances of winning. We're not good enough for that. I told y'all, Fellas Jones, you're too old to be fumbling the football like that. Stop it, sir. Stop it. Now, I'm sure they've taken him off of return dudes. That's the one area where this kid was supposed to make the impact for us this season. Now, Fellas, what's next? How do you answer the bet? Last week, I went after Dante Pettis. Now, I'm issuing a challenge to you, sir. If they're going to take you off punt return, then where, how are you going to impact this team? How are you going to justify your draft position? Oh, this is on you. You got to figure that shit out. You got to figure it out. Listen, what we got next here is we have a matchup coming up against the New England Patriots. A-Dub will be back later in the week. We're going to preview that matchup. We'll have that episode out to you guys on Thursday. Winter Circle will be out on Friday where we'll give our best picks for week seven. So, hey, listen, got a little mini bye week for the Bears since they don't play again until Monday night. Hopefully it gives this team time to strategize. It gives Justin Fields time to heal up. Like I said, he took some shots out there, man. I'm hoping that the extra time gives this kid's body some time to, to recuperate a little bit. And now here's another primetime matchup for the Bears. Monday night, traveling to Foxborough. This is the third and final primetime football game for the Bears this season. And, it, guys, we talk about this all the time. Our primetime performances have just been, uh, they've been stinkers. Now we're traveling to face New England on the road, facing Bill Belichick. 
Hey, Dub and I will get you ready for that matchup. But I tell you right now, I hope that this team is tired of being embarrassed on national TV. I hope this team is tired of throwing away football games. Because I know us fans, we are. Artists, we appreciate your continued support of this platform. Remember to keep A-Dub in your thoughts and your prayers. Thanks for helping us become a top 10 Chicago Bears podcast. We love you. We appreciate you. But I'm out.